Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Early Line. I'm Dane. He's Kevin, right here on SportsGrid as we continue to cock-a-doodle-doodle. Do it for you guys when you're getting ready to win some extra cash because sports are coming back. Kevin, I know we've been talking about this like for weeks at this point. Mm -hmm. The idea that sports are eventually coming back. We're starting to see these details. We've talked about the NFL schedule. We've talked about practice facilities in the NBA. You know, MLS getting going. Bundesliga going to actually have games later on this week in Germany. Shout out to Borussia Maglambandak. (laughs) I think I got that right. Uh, The frenetic spelling was up for us last week. But I want to turn our attention to the baseball, Major League Baseball, because, Kevin, it seems like the owners have agreed upon a plan. Mm -hmm. But the key now is it's being sent to the players union for Mm -hmm. kind of approval. And this just goes to my point, Kevin. I've been saying this for a long time. It's nice for a player. It's nice for a network. It's nice for a governor to say something. But these things are going to need to be collectively bargained. And we're starting to see that now the proposal is going now to the players union, I guess, for approval or to vote on. Before we talk about the specific elements of this plan, Kevin, Mm -hmm. what do you think about – the process that's going to need to happen for every sport, for every detail. This is going to have to be agreed upon by all stakeholders. Yeah, 100%. I think it shows that, you know, you need to have a a good foundation if you want to try and get things like this done. I think it's fair to say that the trust between owners and players right now in Major League Baseball is not as strong as you would like it. Uh, And you kind of think about some of these big-name players that have had to wait all the way. I mean, how long did it take Bryce Harper to sign? Like, oh, yeah. Machado, like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, those things where, you know, J.D. Martinez, like, almost missed the start of the season that year. That's he right. had time with the Boston Red Sox when he was coming off the season with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, and things like that, I think, have, you know, begun to tear the relationship. Mm. And I think, you know, also it doesn't help really with the commissioner. And I know everybody takes their shots at Rob Manfred, and honestly, every single shot he's been taken, like, it's deserved. Um, but you know, when he makes comments along the lines of it's Mike Trout's fault that Mike Trout's not a bigger star, like there's just clearly not a, a good relationship there. So I think it's very difficult because as we kind of get into some of these details, right, I think that you'll, you'll see that there are some, in some ways, right. One side is going to feel like, oh, well, you're looking to take advantage of a situation here. You're not doing this because it's out of necessity, which is which is crazy to think, right? Because right now, like, everybody should have the same goal. Let's get baseball back. Let's get mm-hmm. out there. Let's play. Let's have a season, you know. And the idea that currently, you know, they could be trying to work, you know, to, oh, hey, this is a good time to make this happen, you know, a little now or never for us, um, is it's a, it's a little upsetting, but you can kind of see how that could be the feeling for, uh, you know, for one, for one of these sides. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I've been saying from – weeks now like the devil is in the details and watch what happens when we start talking about money and who's going to share the pain but i think you make a great point already in baseball right when we talk about free agency over the winter we've been thinking that oh are the owners in collusion to kind of uh, hold down the player salaries right and these long-term contracts aren't happening anymore so the idea of the the public trust and operating in good faith 
is maybe strained in Major League Baseball in ways that it may not be in other sports. I thought it was interesting, and we've already reported that the players have agreed to, you know, however many games they have to sacrifice will each equal kind of one one sixty second. But then, you know, there's still that element of who has to share the hit because it's more than just the gate given mm-hmm. the fact that there'll be no fans, that the television product will be different, and so on and so forth. But let's go through what I see as the major elements of this kind of proposal that has, for all I know, been ratified by the owners and that the players' union is discussing. It sounds like we're going to have half a season. Mm-hmm. It sounds like we're going to have half a season, Kevin, and whether it's 80 or 82 games, it seems like if they start in early July, I'm going to call it July 4th, Independence Day, roll out the flags, have the planes flying overhead, mm-hmm. um, they think they can get into half a season, call it 80, 82 games. Do you think that is smart, Kevin, given um, the amount of maybe double headers that need to be there, the mm-hmm. runway for spring training 2.0, and to yeah. ultimately be able to crown a champion still this fall. Do you think that's about the right timing? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, may, I, probably the safest way as well is just being like, all right, we'll do half. Because if they try to squeeze a buck 20 in there, right, then all of a sudden you're going after double header after double header and you know, is baseball, it's not the most taxing sport. Like, but also think about it for pitchers, right? The amount of innings that they would have to do. Like, you have to be very, very cautious with that. And, you know, also, you know, baseball probably wants to figure out their timeline. We've talked about the NBA timeline a lot. And one of the reasons is it's very easy to understand that the NBA has been quite interested in changing their start date. So this is a scenario actually where, one side is like, hey, we kind of get to start something here um, and make it a thing moving forward where I don't think Major League Baseball is, you know, they're trying to make sure that, that their stuff tries to stay as similar as it's been to moving forward, mm-hmm. I think. So, yeah, I think the half works. Yeah, I think that's true. And remember, I keep on saying there's so many implications of this. Remember, players that were injured are not injured anymore. Pitchers that have innings limits, get you know, a full season, uh, a starting pitcher makes 32 starts, goes around 200 innings. You cut the season in half, 16 starts for a guy, you know, 100 innings. No one is approaching their innings limit of about 130, 140, 150 innings, regardless of what the team sets. So these young guns are going to be able to empty the tank. I also know about, you know, I'm a Yankees fan, Kevin, and Domingo Herman, um, a kind of revelation young pitcher of the eight, of the Yankees, Mm-hmm. He's got an 80-game suspension for PEDs that used to be half the season. Well, guess what? Now that's the entire 2020 season for Domingo Herman. so there's a lot of ways to play it. But, yes, yeah. it does look like we're going to see 80 or 82 games. Another thing that I thought was interesting, and I completely agree with, Kevin, I completely agree with this. Major League Baseball was already going to expand the roster to 26 players this year. Okay, we knew mm-hmm. about that, and there were some interesting conversations about how his teams leverage that 26th man, right? Would it be an extra bullpen arm? Would it be a pinch runner? Would it be an extra super utility infielder? But it looks like they're going to be able to expand the rosters to 30, and they're going to have a taxi squad 
of 20 players. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes sense, especially when you consider that minor league baseball is in essence canceled for this season, right? So your AAA, your minor league guys, they are still going to be able to be uh, attached to the major league roster. And I think this makes sense. You have to have a larger roster. You have to have more flexibility because of what we're talking about, right? Games may be condensed together. There may be double headers. And you know, they haven't had the real spring training. I do anticipate, you know, pulls and and stretches of muscles. Mm. And so the expanded roster, I think, is a good thing to mitigate that risk. I mean, yeah, it, it is a no-brainer, right? Like, just adjust for what it is and give yourselves more options. I, I ask you because, I, honestly, in reading it, I couldn't f- kind of figure it out. This taxi squad yeah. is a pool of players available to all teams, correct? Oh, I don't know if it's all teams. I don't or is, know it, if it's or is it a teams. taxi squad for each team? I think it's for your team. Okay. <clears throat> I think it's in the same way. How, like, because here's the thing. There's no minor league baseball, Kevin. No, yeah, you well, know, so the, so the AAA roster, I think they're denoting. Every organization yeah. is denoting like 20 guys who mm-hmm. can get called up in yeah. essence. Um, so, that's the way I think it it reads. If yeah. someone out there can tell me I'm wrong, hit me up at Spittin' Speeds, at, I believe, the real Kevin Walsh, and help us clarify it. But I do believe that it's per team. You yeah. know, in essence, it's that AAA team that can kind of be called up without options uh, because, you know, it's going to happen. People are going to go down. They're going to go to the DL. And so this is the pool of talent that you can bring up. But I do think it's within each organization. Yeah, and it makes it, I mean, that obviously makes all the sense in the world. I guess then the part of the reason I was curious is, does that then mean now that each team is actually bringing almost 50 players with them? I don't know if they're traveling. Yeah, and then you have to try and figure out, okay, how quickly can they get them? Like, I think just, you know, the the specifics of that bullet point to me were, Mm -hmm. I think, the one that I was like, I need more clarification on this. Um but My I understanding is that the Taxi Squad is an actual team that's traveling on a bus following around the, the, the Major League Baseball team. I think it's just these 20 players who are, like, denoted as available and eligible to yeah. be called up. And, and you make a good point. You know, the travel, they'll have to be there. And that's why a lot of teams have their AAA affiliate, you know, within an hour of where the home team is, right? So they can get on a bus and be available, you know, that night. Or the next day. And so I think that'll be the case. And remember, in this proposal, all teams are playing um, in their home stadiums. So I do think that's interesting. And I think it's one taxi squad for each organization. It's kind of like the practice squad for an NFL team. Um, Another thing that I kind of think is interesting, and this time I may need help from you, because we're we're thinking about these three divisions, right? What I'm hearing is 14 playoff teams. And I just honestly don't understand the math. I just don't understand the math, right? Like, in these three merged divisions, is it what? The top four teams from each of those divisions? That's 12. And then where's the other two teams, right? Or is it the the second, the top two fifth-place teams in these divisions? Are they going to then, even though you're playing the entire East, are they going to still track the standings within the American and National League? This is the part that needs more clarification to me. Can you shed any light on this for me? Three divisions is what we're understanding. 14 just sounds like an odd number. I understand the wild card, right? Yeah. It used to be 10, so five in each, right? And it used to be the three division winners and two wild cards. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we're now talking about seven from each. Um, is it 
the top two from each and a wild card? Or is this even possible with the realignment of divisions? This is the one that I struggle with. Yeah, I think it's I think it's understandable because it's a completely foreign concept when it comes right. to baseball. I think having 14 teams, you have to just think to the NFL, which implemented a comparable uh, format this year. So there will mm-hmm. be one bye, but it's totally fair to say at the end of the 80 but or 82 bye. game. And also out of four divisions in the NFL, in the AFC or NFC. No, is, no the numbers just don't work. Yeah, and I, I understand it's, it's trying to figure out is basically, all right, we're going to have these three, and then it's just as many wildcard teams as we can kind of fit in. What I do understand and I do agree with is them saying this is how you can help generate more revenue for certain teams. Now, I, you know, you can't because it's, it's, it's basically not a playoffs if you put every single team in in order to create more revenue. But even just these four extra teams will be able to benefit off of it. And I would actually probably think that the whole league might benefit from it with a longer playoff. So, yes, we need more details. But on the surface, this also does seem like a good idea. No, I get it. And it'll build engagement, right? I don't know when the trading deadline is going to be, but more teams will be involved. I mean, in the NBA and in the NHL, Kevin, over 50% of the league makes the playoffs. In the NFL, now with the expansion, 14 out of 32, so between a third and a half. And so what we're going to do here is have 14 out of 30, just under a half. With more teams and more markets still in it to the end, there will be more excitement. We'll talk more about this new alignment and new proposal when we come back. Dane and Kevin, we're off and running. It's the early line. Come on back after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. And we are looking, Kevin, at a Major League Baseball proposal, which I believe we may have Cracker Jacks and Peanuts and take me out (laughs) to the ball game by the time Independence Day hits. We'll see. We'll see. I think we're going to get into the most important pieces of this puzzle uh, during this kind of, you know, during this conversation here. Um, I, I choose to be optimistic, but. That's good. A glass half full, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I like that. I like that. So here's the thing. We went through some of the elements of the plan already. You know, the idea of uh, an expanded playoff potentially and shorter regular season. Let me ask you something about this before we get into the other elements of the plan. A shorter regular season and more teams in the playoffs from a value perspective, from a sports investing perspective. Kevin, both of those things make me think that I might take one of these mid-level teams. I may throw a little bit more shekels on one of these mid-level teams, one of these teams that were maybe had a win total of like 86 or one of those fringe contenders. Because here's my logic. Tell me if this resonates with you. One, we've talked about this. In a long season, the cream rises to the top, right? With a longer season, there's less variance. Well, we're going to have half the season. So is it possible that one of these teams, call it the Angels, call it the White Sox, call it the Reds, call it the Padres, call it the Mets, one of these teams that are maybe a fringe contender or Mm -hmm. some people think that they can take a step forward this year, 
with with more variance in a shorter season, that's more possible for them. Mm-hmm. And then when we have you know four more teams in the playoffs, there's an even greater chance that they get into the tournament. And as we all know, you got to be in it to win it. So mm-hmm. the fact that there's a shorter schedule and an expanded playoffs makes me think. Listen. The Dodgers, the Yankees, the Astros, the Braves, we know these teams are contenders. I'm looking at those second and third tier teams, teams that would have been kind of like in the wild card chase. They may get hot and there's more slots for them. So I'm thinking about these, you know, the good, not great teams, maybe having a little leg up or maybe being a little bit more viable in the futures market. You buy that? Yeah, no, I I mean, absolutely. And I think one of the things you and I uh, have talked a lot about when it comes to the NFL is the yes-no playoffs market. Right. And we've seen the adjustment there in terms of how many teams are favored and how many teams aren't. And I think we're still a little bit away before, you know, in the Bengals sports yeah. book is willing to post that market. But, of course, like this now, it opens the field a lot more. What I will say is I don't think now I have any interest in trying to get cute by saying the Yankees or the Dodgers miss out. Because right. agreed that during an 80-game season, if they're going off to a slow start, who knows what happens. But now that the field is expanded, I don't see any world where there are seven teams better than the Yankees in the American League or seven better sure. than the Dodgers. Remember, but it may Nationals. not be the American League, right? It's going to be the AL and the yeah, NL East. However combined. But I think the point holds true, right? Your true big boys, they're going to make it. Right. And we know that you can make the season three games and they're going to win enough to get there. Right. (laughs) But I'm really thinking, Kevin, about these kind of teams that would have just missed the cut or would have been wild card kind of teams in the at the end of the season. You know, the four teams fighting for two spots, a with the expanding field, they get in. But with the shortened season, there's also a chance, you know, that a team, say, like the Cleveland Indians, you know, gets hot. And overtakes the Twins, right? Or a team like the Angels or the A's get hot and in a truncated season are above the Astros. I just think that when you when you add variance, it hurts the top teams and it gives an extra window of opportunity for those teams in the tier right below. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll add this um, on top of that as we try and sift through all of this information to see what would work and what was uh, will not. And um, there's... The idea is they want everyone to play their home games at home. Yeah. And they feel like by keeping everybody within division, everybody in the East, and West, that, West they'll, that they'll be able to do that. But I don't know. And I mean, I think I'm you know, speaking from the viewpoint of a New Yorker here. Uh, I don't know if Yankee Stadium yeah. or City Field are going to be open. And I don't know then what that means for the comfort level of those baseball teams. Home field advantage, right, is, as people know, is not just being in front of crowds. It's being in your own bed. And baseball's plan is seemingly more lax than that of the NBA. There, This yeah. isn't, as you love to call it, the Truman Show. There's not a bubble coming of baseball players in one singular right. spot or separated between two spots. So if the Boston Red Sox, for example, play every game at home at Fenway, right, but are also going to be yeah, – They're going to travel to New York. They're going to travel to Baltimore. They're going to travel to Philly. They're going to travel to our nation's capital, I think. But that's the thing is if – but for some reason, Fenway's a go, Yankee Stadium isn't, and now right. all of a sudden the Red Sox are playing road games in mm-hmm. Fenway, that changes things, I think, quite a bit. So that's, to me, one of the big 
they were, it was a very optimistic piece uh, that came out within this, you know, larger um, article. And it's one that I was like, ooh, I don't know if that's going to work how they want. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting right now in the middle of May. All right, yeah. Kevin. And from what I understand, call it the beginning of the July, right, when <laughs> actual games would be being played. That's a month and a half from now. You know, Kevin, I mean, think about where we were a month and a half ago. You know, it was late March, and we were still, you know, Dana White was talking about an island. We were still thinking that WrestleMania, <laughs> to bring it back to wrestling, as you always like to, was going to go off in Raymond James Stadium. You know, yeah. and so much has changed, and there's the potential for so much to change. I mean, we are both here in New York City, and we're hearing even New York State, which has kind of been branded as the epicenter, New York State has more cases of COVID than any other country in the world that's not the United States, right? And even here in New York, our governor is saying that by the end of the week, March, uh, May 15th, that, mm -hmm. you know, many sections of the state will be able to have a partial reopening. Yeah. I've even heard Mayor de Blasio here in New York City saying that he believes in the month of June, even New York City will begin to kind of loosen some restrictions. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like, right? But when we're talking about July, and remember, no one is talking about fans in the stands. We're talking about these players, in essence, having to commute to work. And I'm hearing that by June... New Yorkers are pretty much going to have to commute to work as we open this up. So I hear you that there's still, you know, very delicate details mm -hmm. and real health concerns out there. But remember, we are still talking about a month and a half even from now. And when New York, to be honest, I don't think New York is going to be the biggest issue. As we see spikes happening in other areas in the country, in the heartland of the country, you know, now that New York is almost on the backside of their curve, maybe Yankee Stadium won't be the biggest stadium to worry about. Maybe it'll be Kauffman mm. Stadium in Kansas City. We still have yet to see. But your mm. point remains, right? What happens when any of these cities, any of these communities have a huge spike? And it's not mm -hmm. really the best move to have their team playing or another team commuting in to the to the city to play games. I think it is a good point and why we're a month and a half out and we still don't really know exactly mm -hmm. how this is going to look. But another element of this proposal, Kevin, that I think is very intriguing, you know, American League teams are going to be playing a lot of National League teams. And we've had this in interleague already. And the idea for the past you know, decade has been that, well, when it happens to be a National League home team, the pitchers hit. When it happens to be an American League home team, there's a DH. Well, it sounds like as an element of this plan, there's going to be a universal DH, okay? Mm -hmm. And this is something that baseball purists are going to hate. Baseball purists this season are getting 82 games, 14 teams in a playoff, and the DH universally. They are rolling mm -hmm. over in your grave. But what do you think is the impact of everybody having a DH? I mean, I guess maybe more offense, overs, yeah. chicks dig the long ball. How do you see this part playing out? Uh, yeah, I mean, even uh, if they're – probably maybe won't be posted, but like season uh, strikeout totals, there's a reason why the National League well, – yeah quite always uh, has the top guys when it comes to strikeouts. So keeping that in mind um, is certainly important for betters. You know, I, I kind of alluded to certain, you know, owners trying to sneak things in there um, as a part of this deal. Now, this one, I have no problem with. I, I've long said that, in all, like, the idea of, of baseball, the way it is executed as a league, is quite preposterous. Like, 
if if this league didn't exist and I was like, hey, I got this idea for a league. It's 162 games. You're going to play the same team three times. Uh, the throwing motion is so unnatural that every year major pitcher will need Tommy John surgery. Oh, and by the way, even though we're all in Major League Baseball, in the National League, they're going to play by different rules than the American League. Like, right. oh, that's the Did worst idea. The, the field was 110 yards long. Yeah. I mean, even that's also another Eastern thing. Conference, the rip was at 12 feet high. Yeah, no, exactly. And, that, and, like, that's the thing, like, no one even, like, sometimes ever talks about is the fact that, like, the home runs are subjective, which is, like, also just, again, like, baseball is, it's what it is, right? With that being said, the, like, just get the designated hitter in. It, it is, it is so silly that we, like, send the pitcher up there because Madison Bumgarner might hit a home run. Oh, it's in the guard. Michael, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it's it's completely unnecessary. If you want to do a cool all-star game side thing where you do a pitcher's home run derby. That's cool. That's cool. But I don't need them doing it during the season being automatic outs and, oh, we got to pull our pitcher early because he's up in a big spot, but he's still only gone, you know, 70-plus pitches to this point in the game. Like, no, like, I don't care your extra bonus points for strategy. It's not a – it doesn't make the game better. Like, this is one where, no, baseball purists, I'm sorry. Yeah, I hear you. Now, remember, Major League Baseball has always been nostalgic and wax poetic about their history. It has been slow to change. But this year is a year where experimentation may reign supreme, whether it be in the alignment, whether it be the DH. And with the DH, listen, there probably will be more offense, right? There probably will be less strikeouts for the National League pitchers, to your point. And there'll be jobs out there for the quote-unquote professional hitter. There'll be those guys that are DHs that can get, you know, extra at-bats and extend their career. It will be smart, you know, on another show, we'll go into the National League teams and think about who's set up to benefit from this. And maybe there's some value there as well. You know, the last thing will be this element of who's going to share the revenue, uh, the money that comes in, and ultimately the loss Mm -hmm. that, you know, teams are getting because there will be no fans in the stands. This is going to be a sticky point, whether it's 50-50 or the owners have to take it a little bit more. I think that is going to be the biggest piece of this collective bargaining agreement, but we will see. When we come back, before baseball happens, one thing that's definitely going to happen is the UFC is going to get going again. We had a big-time card over the weekend, last weekend. We've got more fights tonight, and Kevin Walsh is going to tell us his leans and his plays on the UFC card when we come back. It's the early line. I'm Danny. He's Kevin. Let's get a little bit of extra money. We did all right in the last card, okay, over the weekend. So now it's a little bit... You know, lower team names, but the bets, the sports investing, and the money you can make is the same. When we come back on the early line, we dive into tonight's UFC card. Dane and Kevin on the early line. Come on back after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. 
all major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. We are giving you the edge. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And bath in the edges that you are getting here on SportsGrid. We were talking about Major League Baseball. It looks like we're about a month or a month and a half away until we see live baseball here in this country. You know, shout out to the KBO. But I like to know the players and, you know, root, root, root for the home mm -hmm. team. And it looks like we are getting close to that. We are able already though kevin to root for fighters and the octagon and we talked about yeah. it you know earlier in the week that ufc 249 went off it was very interesting i didn't miss the fact that there were no fans once the action started happening we had a stack card Suhudo winds up retiring and dc winds up you know finding a future potentially as like a as a trainer or a cut man in a corner mm -hmm. actually coaching people um live on commentary in an mm -hmm. empty arena and now they're gonna do it again all right, we're here Wednesday, May 13th, and there is another card right back in Jacksonville. Do you think, Kevin, the fact that they're now condensing this and offering multiple cards in a week, I think there's another one this weekend already. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I think it's great. We've talked about the only game in town, but do you think they risk saturating the market and getting bored of it? It's, it's a really, really good point. Now, I think you just mentioned the KBO, and I think yeah. it's fair to say the KBO hype has... Has died down a bit. I would think so. um, the thing is, the KBO. Are you JM anymore? No, well, that's the problem, right? Like the KBO's sustainability was always going to be difficult, considering no one's going to be on a regular basis stay up to watch. No, like people they just don't know. That was always hard for the UFC. I do think that they made new fans this past Saturday, and everything that we heard was that their numbers were very, very good. I believe the prelims uh, did you know, around a million views on ESPN and the pay-per-view Dana White said it was wildly successful. ESPN couldn't have been happier with the pay-per-view buys that he, uh, that the UFC was able to do. And ultimately that's great. And that's what they should have been able to do. It was like, it was an incredible card. And I have to wonder what the, what that kind of card would have done under normal circumstances. Cause I, I think I would say it still would have done very, very well. Okay. So now the question becomes, as we head into this fight night, is is the buzz still there? Right. Is, you know, is the weekday cool? I got a game to look forward to tonight. Is that vibe and excitement right. all still there for the UFC? I believe the main show for fight night will get underway at 9 p.m., and the good thing is that I know for sure, because I wasn't able, um, I had to, you know, try and listen to some people and hear what they were talking about with the ratings. But I know for a fact, and here I go again, but um, anybody knows Wednesday night, the ratings are always a big Ding. deal because every We need a sound night, effect. Hold on. We need a sound effect. You know, all my guys out there on the early line, every time Kevin goes into the wrestling talk, we need like a ding, like a sound effect, and we need to track this. I'm putting the over-under for the rest of the week, Kevin, at seven and a half. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll take the over. over. Okay. The thing is, though, if we could just all acknowledge, right, that like wrestling is very relevant to these times, like because they're still running and operating, so I think I could be cut a bit of slack. With that being said, with the Wednesday night wars that go on every single week, AW and NXT, you see where they are on the rating. So we'll be able to see 
how ESPN fares in the ratings. And it'll be it'll be really, really interesting to see True. if on a Wednesday night, essentially unopposed in the sport world, although there is a big crossover. It's probably crossover. wrestling fans. You, have fan, yeah. you may be interested in wrestling a la Kevin Walsh. 100%. There's big crossovers, so if people aren't able to dual screen it, it'll be interesting to see how that's navigated 100%. But I'm very fascinated to see if they were able to keep and retain an audience for a card that is a Wednesday night fight night right. card. Like, Do you think it would have been smarter, for example, you know, the Cejudo fight, which was not the main event, but was a championship site fight. What if they had put this on this card, you know, to kind of be the main event of this card or rejigger the matches and kind of spread it out a little bit more even. So there was some, you know, top tier fights on this Wednesday card. Yeah, I think now, obviously, you know, you have maybe for them, all that mattered was having May 9th, UFC 249 be a success and them, you know, be able to sell it as the best card they've ever put on. But I don't even think you have to go as far as to grab Cejudo, Dane. I think if you took Pettis and and Pettis, maybe. Yeah, I mean, same, same, right? Like, those are two big names. Names. You're like, hey, come here, watch UFC fight night, Pettis Cerrone. Oh, okay. As opposed to, you know, Smith to Shara. Yeah. Which for a lot of people is like, who? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Anthony Pettis is a world champion. Showtime Pettis, plenty of people know him. Don Cerrone, Cowboy Cerrone, coming off, you know, a Conor McGregor fight. Like, people people know these guys. People are familiar with these guys. Not the same name power um, with, the, with what they're offering here. So I think it's fair to I, – I mean, I definitely think they would have done better ratings. I guess the question is, was it, was it more valuable for them right. to have that Cerrone-Pettis fight be the lead-in to the, like the main event, event of the prelims that yeah, everyone can see live on ESPN. Yeah. And, it, you know, it does make sense, right? Maybe you've captured the attention with that card on Saturday, and now you have some people who are like, oh, I will give Wednesday night a shot because of the excitement from Saturday. I mean, I think, you know, it makes sense whichever way you go. I don't know what's in these fighters' contracts of getting, you know, percentages of the pay-per-view and that sort of sure. thing. So, you know, I, I'm sure Dana White is running his business in a way that helps yeah. make the UFC money. You mentioned Anthony Smith and Glover Teixeira, and Absolutely. that is the quote-unquote main event of this fight night. That fight will go off after 11 o'clock tonight, Eastern. And I got to tell you, Kevin, I know the name Glover Teixeira. I'm not a big-time UFC guy. I'm a casual UFC fan. But I do know Glover Teixeira. And when I look at the odds, he's going into this fight as a plus 150, plus 155 dog to Anthony Smith. So tell me a little bit about this fight, because Glover Teixeira is the name I know. But is Anthony Smith a deserving favorite? He is. He should be favored in this fight. Teixeira's been around a long time. I think this is going to be Maybe fight. That's why I know him. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, I think this is going to be fight thirty-eight for him. Like, you know, he's he's got tread on those tires, no Dang. doubt about it. He's got um, CTE. Oh boy, yeah, probably. Um, I think for <laughs> for Anthony Smith, for Anthony Smith, though, this is um, you know, he has to continue to build it back up. He pretty much made his name in this division actually by beating the likes of guys like Glover Teixeira. He had a first round knockout of uh, Rashad Evans and then Shogun Hua in back to back fights. And that kind of brought him onto the scene. He was then able to actually get himself, for, for people who may not remember, into a fight with John Jones. Championship fight. Went the distance, five-round decision. And, you know, look, was he... I mean, it was John Jones's fight, right? But he was, you know, he was able to hang in there with maybe the greatest, you know, UFC fighter we have ever seen. And for a lot of people, the greatest UFC fighter we've ever seen, I guess, you know, asterisks and all that, uh, depending. He lost that fight by decision, bounced back, 
took on uh, Alexander Gustafson, which who is you know one of the tougher uh, fights that you can get in that division, and in the fourth round stopped him. And Anthony Smith is 100% a deserving favorite. Now he okay. will find himself sometimes in odd spots to where I don't know if you want him as a minus 180 favorite. I see. I think I think that could be a more difficult proposition. But what I like about Anthony Smith in this spot and why I would pay that price is one, we have a precedent of him taking the older guys and testing their chins and winning that battle, right? Mm-hmm. As I mentioned with Hua and Rashad Evans. Yeah. And I think that if you wanted to go for a plus money shot, I think it's like plus 390 for Anthony Smith by first round knockout. First like, round knockout. Yeah, like, and that is, I mean, that's a very specific like thing that you're looking to target but also we're dealing here with a, with a five round main event okay because main event it's not just championship fights the main, it's event, main, right. main events are going to be five rounds he is now his last two fights been in the quote-unquote championship rounds like five round fight yeah exactly so that also though gives me confidence that he's not this isn't a situation where i'm expecting anthony smith to gas out it's far more right. likely to be the case for Glover Teixeira at this point in his career. I see. And at this point, not, you know, as consistently going the distance that Anthony Smith has. So a minus 180 favorite. Some people feel like that is a little bit high for the fighter of Anthony Smith's caliber. But the last piece uh, uh, that I will give you that I think would pretty much lock this in, as a UFC, uh, in the UFC has been a favorite five times. He's 5-0 and in those fights as a favorite. Mm. So for me... Um, look, you're not going to get rich betting against Anthony Smith in these spots. You know, you know, I know Glover Teixeira plus money, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people, Dane, who see that and feel that way. Um, I don't think you would be coming away with a winner in this spot here. Okay, fair enough. I, I'm interested by the knockout as well. You talked about first-round knockout, which is more than three to one. I'm yeah. intrigued by just the method of victory, Anthony Smith by knockout or TKO. Mm-hmm. Okay, that I can get it in any of the five rounds, yeah. and I see that he's more of a striker. You talked mm-hmm. about him testing the chin of some guys, right? So can I entice you at plus money, Anthony Smith to win by knockout or TKO at any yeah. point? That's mm-hmm. plus 110. You know, Absolutely. so maybe that's a... a you know, I don't have to get it in the first round. Maybe Teixeira could gas out a little bit, and Anthony Smith does end it, but later in the fight. So I, I agree. I don't want to necessarily lay that juice you're talking about, but plus 110 to win by knockout or, of course, stoppage, that may be a place for me. And what do you think? Me, I'll, I, I totally agree, and I'll add another uh, approach that you could take if, with Anthony Smith if you'd like. Again, a minus 180 for some people could be too rich. You continue to peel through this card if you went down a little bit uh, mm. further. The women's fight with Eubank, she's a minus 410 favorite. Now, minus 410 on a fight that is overwhelmingly favored to go the yeah. distance is difficult because what did we talk about coming on the back of 249 game? The refs were... The refs and the judging, uh, yeah. Yeah, the judging was a little bit shaky, and maybe they were you know, thrown off by the atmosphere or influenced by commentary the same way some of the fighters were. Right. And that is difficult. But minus 410 for Eubanks and a minus 180 for Smith and a parlay. That's a parlay. I saw it at FanDuel Sportsbook at minus 107. So you're now talking about a very, very normal money line spread of a minus 107 taking a, a guy in Anthony Smith, who I'm fully expecting to win, and Eubanks, who should be a favorite. Um, you know, I have kind of a tradition um, where, I'll, you know, I, I peel through the card 
and I, you know, I'll, I'll ask, um, you know, the person who I trust the most when it comes to the UFC, and I'll say, give me your lock. And right. the thing that, you know, so that person isn't as much a better. They're just a, uh, like they know the game very, very UFC. well. And on almost a consistent basis, he gives me the biggest favorite on the card, which always makes me feel like he knows what he's talking about when who should be winning these. So you pull Eubanks in, you pull Smith in, Dane, mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden, minus 107. Yep. And if either one of them, you know, gets messed up, listen, it's not going to cost you. It's not right. going to cost you in the same way uh, that you that it normally would. So okay. I think that that's a more than fair way to approach the Anthony Smith's fight and if you want to get a, a piece of the biggest favorite on the card. Right. You talk about it. Eubanks is at minus 410. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Smith right now at minus 180. I see the same thing as you. You combine them, but because minus 107, call it minus 110 by the time the fight actually goes off. I did the same thing for 249. I took Span, who was a minus 400. I took Greg Hardy, who was minus 200. And I took Cejudo, who was minus 200 as well. You threw them all together. I also put in that the main event, with uh, Ferguson and Gaethje, wouldn't go the distance. These were all big-time minus numbers, but you stack them all together, and you get a parlay that can cash. When we come back, we look at Kevin's additional plays for UFC Fight Night. It's the early line. Come on back after this. DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back here to the early line, everybody, here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane, he's Kevin, and we are cock-a-doodle doing it, finding you value for UFC Fight Night tonight, all right? And we've already talked about some of the picks and plays. We do, in fact, like Anthony Smith. We think he can get it done, you know, by knockout or some kind of stoppage, and that may get you a little bit more value. Let's talk, though, Kevin, about the kind of co-main event. Okay, Mm -hmm. here we have Ben Rothwell going in as a dog at about plus 125 against OSP. How do you see this one shaking out? Yeah, it's a really fun fight here. Ben Rothwell, um, been around a long time. OSP making the jump uh, up to heavyweight. So that right there, people could be like, ooh, coming up against the big boys. But some Mm. power can translate. Okay, we've seen it with Rumble Johnson. We've even seen it with Daniel Cormier, who's, you know, fought at light heavyweight and come up to the heavyweight and still be able to stand in there, bang. And OSP is, to me, the more complete fighter. He's won a number of times by the Von Fluke choke, which he's pretty much made his own. Um, But he does also have power behind him. And this is a fight now. This one could go the distance. It wouldn't floor me um, if, you know, if, if OSP's not just able to put away Rothwell, but he's able to, you know, keep it moving and keep himself away from uh, Ben Rothwell. But OSP moving up to heavyweight still is the favorite, and I think it is um, an accurate price on OSP. I think he wins this fight. And I'll, I'll just add this. When it comes to betting the UFC, like, it, if you think someone's going to win, right, like, this is where the spread is different. When it's a right. football Sunday, and you know one of the lines that stood out to me from from the week one schedule release was 49ers uh, against the Cardinals. Arizona, and the and the Niners are home. I think they're going to win, but an eight and a half point spread to me was far too rich. Right, right. It's different in the fight game. That's exact right. 
but we're hearing the fight game. It's like, are they going to win mm-hmm. or not? I'm expecting OSP to win, and I and I would pay the price for him to do just that. All right, fair enough. He's going off right now at around minus 145, maybe minus 150 in that range, and you're comfortable laying the juice. You said you don't know if you think this fight is going to go the distance, but there is another place on the card where you do think the fight is going to go the distance. And for everybody watching here on the early line, you know, there's plenty of ways to skin a cat. Okay, it's not only betting the fighter, but if you think guys are more maybe mat technicians, less strikers, and going to turn the lights out, and it will go the full distance, that's another way to bet. And you think that's the case with one of the fights on this card tonight? Yeah, Borg versus Simon is going the distance. It's a minus 240 favorite because it should be. Borg is last nine fights, Dane. Nine have gone the distance. Really? Eight of the last nine for Simon have Mm -hmm. gone the distance. I mean, that's like... Imagine if I told you that, you know, some guys, nine of his last nine were knockouts and eight of his last nine guys were knockouts. Everybody like, it's going to knockout. It's just not exciting when it's going to be a stoppage. But this to me is where I'm going to try to learn from UFC 249. Again, I don't want to be unfair to the judges, but to me, like the, the, it was just a little shaky Hmm. and I understand Simon being the favorite, right? And if people wanted to go and, 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 you know, throw a little bit down on him, I think that that's understandable. But this is going the distance. So you're going to bet a minus 164 favorite and be knowing you're leaving it in the judge's hands. Mm. I'd rather just go minus 240. I don't care what happens here. This fight, like, uh, this fight starts. Cool. It's going to be 15 minutes action, a couple rounds in between. I'll be back in 20. Just let me know who wins. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you don't got to root for a fighter. You have to root for different things in the sports investing I, world. I will say it is as as confident as I am saying this, no matter what, mm-hmm. when you get to the actual fight, every punch sounds like the biggest punch in the world. And every, especially with no fans in the building. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying like, like all of a sudden now, because you think everything's about to end the fight. Like just a nor- like a very right. normal wrestling takedown. You're like, oh no 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 no! Stand him up! Stand him up! You're like, it's just it. It's kind of how it goes. But you're yeah, gonna be hoping not- for a lot of full guard going on, huh? Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Most boring fight, please. I hear you. Hopefully they feel each other out for like the entire first round. But I digress. Hey Kevin, so far we've been talking about fights that are on the main card or on the you know the the kind of uh, spotlight fights yep. but there is one on the undercard that you have a lean on with felipe lens right yeah felipe lens this is actually i think the fight i'm most excited for <laughs> um felipe lens giving me some justin gaethje vibes um and that might sound a little ridiculous but tiny you know felipe lens is here uh in his ufc debut in the main event of the prelims now against a legend in andre arlossi now so for some people you, you know, you're like, Wednesday night, fight night, who cares? Like, that's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. They know what Felipe Lins uh, is bringing. He's coming over as a PFL champion in the Pro Fighting League, and he comes in to bang. He is here for a knockout. If not, knock him out. I believe he's 14-3 and three in his professional fights before what he's going to be doing here and making his UFC debut. I am expecting fireworks. He is coming in to make it happen. And I genuinely, the part of me being excited is that this could be the first fight for a potential breakout star, I think, for the UFC. I know it's a lot of praise, but I found myself quite excited as I, you know, talked to people about Felipe Linz. And I think he comes in against Arlovsky and gets this done here in his UFC debut. 
All right, definitely keep an eye on Lynn's. Kevin's talking about this could be an emerging star. And so these are the kind of guys you want to start watching them early, right? So you start to understand what their potential is if they do realize that potential. And later on, you get them in a good spot and can kind of make some extra money on a guy like Felipe Lins. He's going off right now between 165, 170 over at our friends on FanDuel. All right, so far, Kevin. You've been giving me a lot of minus numbers, all yeah. right? And I know, listen, that's cool. I'm going to lay some juice, no problem. You talk about big-time favorites, and they come in. That's fine, but give me something that's a little bit riskier. Take a bold stand, Kev. You got any <laughs> dogs on this card? The 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 best I can give you in terms of an underdog yep. um, is still a minus price. Like, that kind of speaks to this card to me. I think where, you know, you see these big favorites, like, I'm expecting them to win. And I don't want to say, because at the end of the day, a winning ticket's a winning ticket. And you be like, hey, I got great value on Glover Teixeira. Yeah, but he lost the fight. And the best I can do for you is uh, is the Alexander Dober fight, where a minus okay. 102 favored uh, or minus 102 underdog Alexander, I think, is Dober's absolute. Minus 115, roughly. Yeah, I think, I think Alexander's worth the price there. His lone UFC loss coming to Cowboy Cerrone, uh, which is far from any type uh, of something to stick your nose up at. And he's actually favored in that fight. It kind of speaks to uh, who Alexander the Great is. That's his nickname. Uh, Dober is certainly very, very hot coming into this. But this is, uh, a, this is a spot here, Dane, where I think you could argue the value is on Alexander. You're getting a good price on him uh, by him being uh, a minus 102 underdog. All right, so listen, and I think it's interesting that you made that caveat, right? He's an underdog, still at a minus number. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's going off at, I believe, basically even money. Hernandez right yeah. now is at minus 102. That may even wind up being plus money by later tonight when it goes off. He may be at minus 105, but it is shorter odds than the technical quote-unquote favorite, Drew Dauber, that's going on right now at around minus 115. Remember, minus 110 is even money on both sides. Why? Because the book's going to make theirs either way. <laughs> we call that the rake in the business. All right, so listen. And we're going to have another UFC fight night on Saturday. We'll talk about that later on this week. But I want to turn our attention to a different piece of the fight game, Kevin. Mm. I mean, you're in your mid-20s. I just had a milestone birthday. And, like, we're talking about the last dance. We're waxing poetic about the 90s. And uh. let me tell you something. There was a man who earned the moniker the baddest man on the planet in this day and age. And it was Mike Tyson. And I don't know if you have seen this, Kevin, mm -hmm. but he's in the gym. Okay. Yeah. And like Mike Tyson is such an interesting American character, right? Mm -hmm. From kind of his upbringing to his skyrocketing boxing career to the, you know, some of the issues that he had with Robin Givens and others that kind of, you know, off the, outside of the ring issues that he had he served time then he came back and kind of became this lovable this lovable character right in the hangover movies yeah. with the tattoo on his face there was a one-man show on broadway i believe about him right and now at the ripe old age of 53 yeah. he is in the gym check out this footage, Kevin, we are seeing him now training. And I got to tell you something. And you hear the volume on this. Those punches are sharp. They are biting. I would not want to be this guy, you know, wearing the gloves, being his uh, training partner right yeah. now. Mike looks like he can go 12 rounds. Uh, okay, here's the thing, right? This is where this is where I get in trouble because people will hear me be like, oh, this, this young kid isn't always talking about. Mike Tyson's amazing. I'm not stupid. I know Mike Tyson's amazing. 
Yeah. Okay. But unfortunately, I saw this video through the prism of a question asked by Mr. Cardano. Okay. Saying uh, what would be the odds on a Fury Tyson fight today? Now, right. listen, I get it. In their heyday, different conversation. 53 year old Mike does not stand a chance against Tyson Fury. Some of our favorites here at the network giving their giving giving it their all, trying to find you a price. I believe Jared put it at minus 140. Biggest bet I'd make in my life would be Tyson Fury at minus 140 against 53-year-old Mike Tyson. I understand, like the pop. Let me let me let me clarify here. I have no interest in 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 getting punched in the face by Mike Tyson. Sure. I have no interest in holding even the the bags up as you mentioned for Mike Tyson. But I'll ask you. Yeah. Are we sure that at 53, Mike Tyson packs a bigger punch than the bronze bomber? No, we are not sure. We are absolutely not sure, Kevin. But here's what I'll also say. George Foreman Mm -hmm. won the heavyweight title of the world in his late 40s, right? And so I know 53 is older than, say, 48. But remember, 30 is the new 20. 40 is the new 30. (laughs) Based on kind of the evolution of sports science. Think about when Foreman did that. It was 20 years ago. Okay? And the Mike Tyson I saw on the video looked in better shape than George Foreman in his late 40s, who successfully won the heavyweight championship of the world. Now, here's the other thing that I would say, because ultimately, listen, I was a Mike Tyson guy. You know, Mike Tyson's punch out was my Christmas gift one year growing up that I, you know, had to wait for. 007-373-5963, I believe is still the code that gets you to Mike Tyson. And yes, I could call that from memory. <laughs> uh, hit me up if I'm wrong, by the way, at Spittin' Speeds. But there's also been a change in the heavyweight division. Okay, I believe in boxing. They need to almost add a new division of super heavyweight. We see the Klitschko brothers. We see Fury. We see Wilder. These are bigger than the heavyweights of Mike Tyson's era. They just are. They're bigger men. Okay, and that is also part of the evolution here. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, they look a lot bigger than Mike Tyson, and that is the difference that I don't know. Mike Tyson in that old heavyweight division with guys like Evander Holyfield and Riddick Bowe, they are smaller humans than the heavyweight of the day. So while I love Mike and those punches and he looked ready to go, I don't know if he would actually do it, but I'd pay to watch. I'll tell you that. That's for sure. That does it for hour number one. Hour number two, when we come back in the early line, we turn our attention to the NFL. Dane and Kevin, we'll be back after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. 